The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 162. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary with Mitch Anderson. Mitch, how you doing, buddy? Uh, good. So remember, was it last week on this show where I talked about my, my daughter having a black eye mm. after just recovering from her broken collarbone? I believe so. Yes. I failed to mention that I also injured myself. So like the clumsiness runs in the family, clearly. Okay. What um, happened? We have a can opener, a handheld one, mm-hmm. and it stopped working. It just doesn't, it didn't work anymore. But I didn't know that, so I just I'm I'm going I I'm going to town on this can opener, trying to get a can of beans open to make some chili, and I'm going and I'm going really I'm 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 really going out of here, and I hit it so hard or I try to turn it so hard and I'm swearing in French at this point and the mood's and I'm <laughs> turning it so hard that it like slips and it, I cut myself on the arm. Oh my! So like God. I don't I, you can't see the cut anymore. It's kind of healed. It, it wasn't well. This you can see the scar tissue. Anyways, it was a pretty good cut. It was like right right here on the inside of the arm, not the outside, oh. right where all the veins are. Right. Yeah, that's sketchy. And so it cuts and it just starts bleeding. And I'm like, oh god, oh god. And then the lightheadedness starts, and I'm like, am I gonna faint? Yeah. <laughs> Both of my kids are watching Paw Patrol while I'm trying to make some damn chili, and I'm like, I'm gonna pass out and bleed out here. <laughs> Yeah, this is a, uh, a not a good podcast with blood. We don't both Mitch and I don't usually tend to do too well with uh, blood stuff. So, I just just the visual of you trying not to pass out while your kids are watching Paw Patrol a little funny. But I I feel for you, dude, because that that's not a fun feeling at all. No, so like I, I'm upstairs and like I'm trying to. I have my arm up. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't that bad, but like I guess I cut myself at, at a point where it bled a lot. I have my arm up and I'm getting. And now I'm trying to bandage myself and I'm like, okay, how the hell do I do this with my teeth? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> gonna... Yeah. Oh my god, jeez. Well, I meanwhile, get... my daughter comes upstairs like, Papa, put some really fast because they can't wipe themselves right now. They're too young for that. So you're like, oh my god, I'm bleeding out here. Yeah, please give me give me two seconds. So oh. that, that was my that, that was didn't happen this week, but it's just something that I felt I needed to share. Totally good. Um, I'm going to default to the weather like usually this is on brand for <laughs> you. Uh, but this weather's been bipolar here on Long Island. Uh, it was it hit 80 degrees today and uh, it was like 50 in the low 50s like yesterday or the day before. So not a fan of the the temperature spikes. I feel like that's a recipe for getting sick. I'm not talking mm-hmm. COVID sick, but I'm a, I'm an allergy guy in the fall and spring, so I feel that coming on, man, and I don't really care for it. No, I'm glad we go through the same uh, weather systems here because it was the same thing. It was like zero. It was freezing. We had frost on the ground last weekend, so we're just about mm-hmm. so it's like four days ago, right? On Saturday, I went to my parents' house and my dad said like it looked like winter outside. There was so much frost. Yeah, yeah. and now it was like 22 degrees in the afternoon yesterday, which I think is like the mid 80s. It's insane. This, it's, that, that's just the type of you know weather it is. Like you leave the house with sweater and maybe even a coat, and you come back and you're, you're like pulling layers off. because yeah, yeah. You're sweating so much. Yeah, the, it's been 
unbelievable, but that's how we're doing. Uh, we have a lot to get into, Mitch. Unfortunately, the New York Islanders season came to an end. We were flying high last week because, well, the Islanders season was still alive. They forced a game six. They went to overtime, but unfortunately, they lost in overtime, so their season came to a close. But we have a lot to get through and talk through. This is going to be a very big reflection show. We're going to do almost a season in review. So one of the big gimmicks that I, I kind of brought back for the playoffs was the, the Islanders being frauds. There was that Odd Sharks uh, clip that was out there of, uh, save this clip, he says in December. The Islanders are going to miss the playoffs, and uh, they're going to be close to the bottom of the division. Now, we, yeah. sorry, what were you going to no, say? No, you go ahead. You go for it. Keep Finish Keep your going. Song. All right. So they they obviously, we know they stumbled down the stretch, but points percentage-wise, we're in a playoff position when the season came, came to a close. So the fraudulent Islanders not only technically made the playoffs, but they won their play-in round. So, yeah, they technically won that. They won their first-round matchup against the Washington Capitals, who, I mean, uh, on paper, their roster is better than the, than the Islanders' roster. No denying that. They beat the Flyers, who were the hottest team in the NHL in the second half of the season. And we know they lost in the Eastern Conference Final to the Tampa Bay Lightning, who, I mean, let's face it, I'm sure we're going to get into it in this episode, the talent differential is noticeable even without point, even without Stamkos. But they held their own and were very close to forcing a Game 7 in the in an Eastern Conference Final, two wins away from a Stanley Cup Final. Uh, so I would define that as not fraudulent. Um, I don't know about you. Is your definition of fraudulent different than mine, Mitch? Absolutely not. It is. It is in fact the same definition. Um, they are not frauds. They, they're the furthest thing from frauds. Um, we have to remember that the the, uh, the justification we were given for them being fraudulent. Of course, it's not like the most trustworthy source, but it's the, the most eye popping one because it, it was meant to be right. Like this was meant to be a a hot, not a hot take, but a um, a spicy take to be like this is. I'm putting this in your face. You must react and, and react. We did. Uh, but like the, the the justification for this this take was they're not a good Corsi team, which is immediately laughable, right? Because you're going, yes, he's not wrong. Agreed. They aren't. They were not. They have not been for two years now. This is not wrong. It's canon that the Islanders are not a good Corsi team, but they don't care about that. They don't care. Barry Trotz has gone on the record to say, like, go ahead, take the puck, skate around. Guess what? I'm not giving you guys squat. So take all the shots you want. None of them are going to be quality ones. I'm going to go back at your end, get a quality shot, and win the damn game. And you're going to look at like an idiot going like, but I had 50 shots. I don't care. I got the one and it counted. So good luck. No, exactly. And um, while I think I'm not here to, like, completely dismiss analytics, I think that they are valuable. Uh, I, I don't look at it as the Bible and like the only way you can win is if you're a good Corsi team. Uh, I think there are a lot of different ways to win in the NHL. And you you saw that with the Islanders run. You saw that with the, the Dallas Stars in, in the final right now. And uh, I just think that people get this mindset of, oh, there's only this kind of a way to win in the league. And if you're not, if you're winning and is not up to their standard of what's acceptable winning, then it's fraudulent. You're due for regression. You stink and uh, blow it up. And your, your general manager also is terrible. Yeah. Like usually the top analytics minds aren't the ones saying like a lot of people will tell you that course is not a good uh, measure of success. It, and it isn't. Um, what they will tell you, like expected goals for because that that you're looking at quality right there's a lot more metrics that go into or values I should say not metrics but values that go into establishing an expected goals for rating that's more and it is proven to be uh, repeated uh, not uh, predictive sorry that's the word I want to use it's right. more of a predictive statistic whereas Corsi is a descriptive statistic it's not going to tell you what's going to happen later it's what's going to tell you what already took place so to predict what's going to happen because of what had had already uh, occurred is is not is not a good way of looking at things and we we've showed that. We, being the Islanders, showed that purely this year. Yes, they're not a good course team, but they're they're not a good course team by design. They're not frauds. They're a good winning. They're a good team. They they they're the seventh best record in the NHL over the last two years. Uh, seventh, right? Like that, there's a lot of teams below that. A right. lot. Yes. Um, they're they win hockey games. Now, can we get into the argument of is this sustainable? 
No, no, it's not. Like two years, you're starting to get to the point where like, all right, well, you don't have enough quality to keep you going to the next step. Like they, they got to the Eastern Conference Finals with this method of play. Can they get higher with it? They might be able to get to a Stanley Cup final if they don't have to travel to Edmonton in a bubble situation. Mm -hmm. Maybe they don't lose that first game in a blowout, right? And then you're looking at a closer series, maybe a game seven, maybe. Um, But but without that, can they they win a Stanley Cup? I I don't know. But I, I think the argument is made here is that they are not frauds by any stretch of the imagination. No, 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 no. And you know what? I, I think it's completely different to say, like, hey, this is a good team that I just think needs, like, another piece or two, and then I'd really consider them, like, a true contender. And I would say, I would sit here and say, okay, that's a completely fair take. That's rational. I could live with that. But to just completely dismiss what they've accomplished, not only this year, but last year, too. Let's not forget, they finished with 103 points last year. That That's a really damn good season, whether you're winning by with, you know, core, playing good Corsi or not. Like, it's still a really quality season. You have to, you know, play a, a, a good a good game in order to win that much and have that many points. Um, but to me, like I, like I said, I think it goes back to the way in which they're winning, which rubs people the wrong way. And like you said, sustainable is a, is a really good, uh, is a really good word for um, if the Islanders are going to be able to continue that. And while I think that if they play like this again with a very similar roster, I think they could be a playoff team again next year. I don't know if I would say that they could be a Stanley Cup team. Who knows? Like we said, the, the playoffs could be a crapshoot. But if you go with the mindset of if they go with this and then add an extra piece, then they could be a contender. Then I'm like, okay, I agree with you. That's kind of where I stand on it. Yeah, so... um what do you say then to like? Because obviously the counter argument to them being frauds is that, well, the second Adam Pellick wasn't in the lineup, it just went right. The season just fell down the tubes. What do you say to that, right? And and there there's some validity there, so I'm not really sure how to feel. Um. Well, I don't really see if that makes them fraudulent. Like I feel like if you took away a lot of teams' top defensive defensemen, they, the same issues could happen. Well. It's it's problematic for the Islanders because of how they play. Like losing Sezikis, exactly. losing Sezikis and Pelic. I mean, it happened in the regular season and it happened again in the Eastern Conference Final. Was huge because of the game that they play. They need those guys in order to survive. If it was a team like Tampa Bay, they could get by with losing their number one defenseman and their fourth line center. But the Islanders, a team like the Stars. Probably not. Like, it, it all depends on how you play. And I think, you know, it, it would almost be like saying a team like, I don't know, let's say a team that focuses more on skill. If they lose their top two skill guys, they're probably going to have some issues. But if the Islanders lose their two top two defensive guys or their best defensive defenseman, best defensive forward, then, yeah, you're going to run into some issues. Like, that that seems obvious to me. Well, look, look at Tampa. Let's do a, the, the, the Tampa test. Okay. They didn't have Stamkos for the playoffs. And in two games they lost, they didn't have Braden Point. They're yeah. two top guys, arguably the two top centers, even though Stamkos plays a lot on the wing as well. He, he is a centerman um, by craft. Like that, that's, he was drafted as a center. Their, their top two centers are gone. Their top two offensive powerhouses are gone. Their sniper uh, and, and their setup guy are now gone. They, they, they did not win those games, right? Like, that, that's what we're talking about. I, I know, like, you can't say that Adam Pellick is as good as Steven Samkos. No, although they do do two, two different jobs. And, like you said, if the one guy, if they're both relied upon equally in terms of what they bring to their position and what they that, that then brings to the team, we're, we're, that that's where you can start explaining it. And, and I'm glad you brought that up because it's that's where I was kind of like, ah, is, is that the justification I want to go with? Like, Adam Pellick means so much to this team because of the way they play. But it really does come down to that. That's really what it is. Yeah, it is. You, you, you take away the defense, which is how they play, and there's, there's nothing left, right? They tried to play more offense, and they couldn't win. Right. It's. I think the, the only way I could explain it is it depends on how your team plays. Like, like I said, if a team like Tampa or if a team like Toronto loses their number one uh, defensive defenseman and their fourth-line center, they probably survive because they are so top-heavy. Uh, so that that's the style. That's how they win games in the NHL. The Islanders don't. They don't win with like skill guys. At least not yet. That's not how they're built. They built to wear you down, frustrate you, and a lot of people will call it boring. But it worked. It worked really well. 
I really hate that. Like, they're not low event hockey. Yes, they employ some trap. Everyone tries to, right? If you have a team that can play the trap, you probably play it. If if your team can't, like the Tampa, the, the Tampa, the Tampa Bay Lightning, they're not really a trap team because they have more speed. They have more talent. Why rely on the trap? You don't need to. You could do other things. But if you don't have that talent... Then you, you you play to the advantage or to the strength of your players, and that's what the Islanders do. Is it low event? No, but it, it certainly seems like it. The Islanders try to reduce the number of events, but it, they they get a lot going for themselves, and that's why they win. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a perfect way to put it, Mitch. So I, I'm right there with you that the Islanders are uh, well, very much not frauds, and uh, I think we could put that one to bed. Uh, the the next thing we we talked about him a little bit, but. Adam Pellick, I think a big thing we learned this year is his impact on this team. Uh, They looked completely, completely different when he was not in the lineup, and they need to figure out how to get him signed long-term after next year. Yeah, so his deal comes up at the end of the year. It's $1.6 million cap hit. He is certainly going to get a raise on that. How big of a raise? I'm not really sure. Like the guy doesn't put up points, right? So we're not obviously looking at uh, Eric Carlson territory. That's not going to happen. Um, but it, it's going to be, I would say, at least double, if not maybe triple. Yeah, I, this is just complete guess, subject to change. I think it's going to probably be four and a half, five million, maybe. Yeah, some something like I I I I'm we're, we're saying that out kind of out of turn because we haven't looked at like the market. I'm trying to take a look now, like what is he kind of close to uh, based off of what's there. But I, I don't think that does a service. I, I'm going to say at least more than double, so more than three point two million dollars. Oh, absolutely. Uh, he he may take a discount. I I don't think anyone should. No player should ever take a discount. I think that's a dumb idea. Get paid. Yeah, like you hear stories of Brent Seabrook, right? I, I'm doing this thing on on um, LTIR stuff for tomorrow, and like the guy's talking about, like I feel good. I can finally tie my shoes. I can tie my kids' shoes. Guys, that's get paid tough. because you're gonna need that later. Yeah, that's that's really tough in, in sports like hockey and, and football too, man. Get yours. I have no problem with you getting yours. Yeah. So, but the thing that we're really trying to get to here is that the value of Adam Pellick fully revealed itself, not only this year, but last year, but this year really cemented it, right? Because yes, we saw it last year on how important he was for the Islanders, but we definitely saw it this year, like you said, when he missed as of January 2nd onwards, and it just went down the tube. Like we tried to bring Andy Green in and that didn't really work immediately uh, because it's not a one for one swap necessarily. Um we sh- it showed it was very telling on how important Adam Pellick is and just clearing the danger in front of his net. Yeah, he he's very much damage control. I feel like when all hell is breaking loose, it's kind of his job to clean up the mess. And he's like, okay, you know, it's a little reckless right now. We're just going to settle this down, and it's going to be okay. And he's always there, whether it be just you know chucking a, a puck off the boards and out of the zone, or you know getting it and skating it away, or or finding an outlet pass. To, to me, he, the Islanders aren't where they are without Adam Pellick. Like, they, there's no way. If he goes down, like, if he goes down in the Florida series, they might not get past Florida. Like, it, it's no, that much yeah. of a difference. It, it, that's how important he is. Like, every team needs them, right? Like, it, you, you can't stock a team with Eric Carlson's. You just can't. Uh, not no. only can you not afford it, uh, but at a certain point, someone's got to do some defending. At a certain point, the puck isn't going to be 100% in the other end. It's going to come your end. And what do you do when it gets there is what you need to figure out. And that's what these guys like Adam Pellick are there for. They right. clear the front of the net. They prevent it from getting there. They get sticks on pucks. They get bodies on bodies to reduce uh, pucks getting into high danger areas. They're just smart in their own zone. Like You need those guys. Um, and he plays big minutes for the Islanders to do that. Uh, and it works flawlessly because their system really facilitates that type of, or not facilitates, but their system is, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Like hingent? I don't know if that's the right word. Contingent. There you go. Thank you. On that type of player. Bow. There you go. We figured it out. Tag team. That's how we do it. Uh, I, I think you hit it on the head, man. I don't know if there's anything else I could really say on Adam Pellick. I think you summed it up perfectly. It really, we got to figure out how much he's going to cost. Uh, and obviously, like, Lou isn't thinking about that right now. He has other fish to fry. Yeah, lots of fish. And, you know, at least the, the, the three-hour phase and what does he do with it, uh, with them. Um, but you just look at some of the deals out there, like Adam Larson at $4.166 million cap hit. And you're going, hmm, yep, that looks about right. 
it's not to say that Adam Pellick is as good as Adam Larson. I would say he's even better. Um, but they, they do a similar type job. And I, I'm sure Adam Larson has more points, but uh, that not really. He's got six this year. Well, six in 49 games. So hey, he's not a, he's not a scorer. He's not a goal scorer. He's not, he's not going to put up points. He's clearing the front of that and, and playing some defense for them Edmonton Oilers. Exactly. Yeah. And like you said, every team needs a guy like that. Is it the flashiest? Is it the sexiest? No, absolutely not. But it, like you said, you can't have a million Carlson's or Brent Burns back there for you. Like it's not going to work that way, man. You you need those guys who are going to play that defensive mindset and to be able to get the pucks out of high danger areas. And that's what Pellick does so good. And that's why the Islanders desperately need him here long term. Yeah, and, and I'm sure it's going to happen. It, it's not going to happen now, but uh, may, maybe even, right? Because they can start negotiating whenever the free agency opens up. Yeah, I forget uh, what day that is, October 7th or 9th? I think, I think it's, it's the, the 9th. 9th. Yeah, October 9th. So like as of then, they can start negotiating with him. I don't think they will because they'll have, again, other guys to figure out. Um, but it, although hopefully they'll have the, all, all the three signed by then because I don't want to have to get into offer sheet business. I don't want to have to deal with that stress. <laughs> No, yeah, it's that's gonna be that's gonna be really annoying. But once you're right, once the uh, Stanley Cup final comes to a close, I think we're gonna see some contracts start to get signed, and then uh, things start to free themselves up, or you start to see where things are going, which is good. Agreed, absolutely. Uh, something else that's a takeaway from this season that could then kind of get us into the looking forward part. So one of the biggest flaws of this team during the regular season and the playoffs as well, the power play. The power play stinks. And a part of the reason for that is the personnel. A part of the reason for that is the super dump, at least in our eyes, their refusal to dump the puck into the zone, chase after it, and go get it. But I think it's abundantly clear, Mitch, even with getting J.G. Pajot, Mr. Do-It-All, they they need more help on the power play. Oh, absolutely, right? Like, they have... I, I, forget, I, I should do it now. Uh, I, I didn't tabulate uh, the cumulative stats on the power play for the last two years, right? We know it's 14.3% or 14.5% last year and 17.3% this year in terms of efficiency on the power play. It was ranked 29th last year, right? Montreal and Nashville had worse ones. And then this year is like 24th, 25th worst power play or, or best, I should say, maybe. Right. Uh, which is not good. Right? No. That's god awful. No. Um, but like, cumulatively, like, this is not a, just a this-year issue. This is a, a, a two-year issue, uh, which is why Lou Lamorello switched around the special teams coach, right? Like Scott Gomez, Yagaon, uh, brought in Jim Hiller. Uh-oh, it didn't really work, right? It wasn't a coaching issue. It was a personnel issue. Right, and uh, maybe we'll talk more about this guy later. Who knows? But I, I wanted to draw a comparison because I wrote about it today. So uh, the Winnipeg Jets have a good power play guy in Patrick Line. So in four years in his career, he has 52 power play goals. Yep. And Anders Lee is probably like our, our power play guy, right? You put him in front of the net. In his eight-year career, he has 50 power play goals. <laughs> then you have someone, Brock Nelson. You would say Brock Nelson's important on the power play, right? Yeah. He has 27 career power play goals. So Line has more than double in like half the time. Even Anthony Beauvillier, a, a recent addition, pro- played about the same amount of time as Patrick Laine, right? About four years in his career, I believe. Yep. So uh, he's got 11 power play goals. So Laine's got five times more the amount. So the Islanders are desperately missing a, a Patrick Laine type player. Maybe Laine is not the guy that you go get, but somebody who scores and scores at insane bunches on the power play is definitely a necessity because the Islanders just don't have that. They don't. They really don't. So I, I just pulled up the stat now. They're 15.7% cumulatively, cumulatively over the last two years, uh, which ranks them 29th. Again, only Montreal and Nashville have a worse power play than New York Islanders over the last two years. And when you think about the power play, right, just concept, not, not conceptually, but from like a strategic standpoint, you think they don't shoot the puck enough. Well, that's not necessarily true. Like, if you look at the number of shots they get on the power play versus the number of opportunities they get, they rank 11th in terms of shots for per opportunity at like 1.5 or something. Right. So, like, while there, there are 10 teams that are better than they are in terms of getting the number of pucks towards the net per opportunity, uh, the Islanders are they're above most of the teams in the league in terms of getting pucks towards the net. Uh, their issue isn't shooting. Although I'm sure they could do more, right? Because it's yes, eleven, of course. Uh, it's getting quality chances and having someone who can finish. 
and they don't have one of those guys. Nope. Like, like you brought up, Brock Nelson, big shooter, not on the power play. Anders Lee has 10, was it 10 power play goals last year and 14 power play goals the year before that? Yeah, I'm, and like two I'm, this I'm year. I'm fairly certain. Yes, yeah. and then two this year. And two this year. He had more power play goals in the Philadelphia Flyer series. <laughs> that's scary. That's really scary, man. Right, or, or that's a great thing because you're going, okay, he figured it out on the power play. Although now you get this big like three-month break for next year, right? Mm. Mm. Um, that needs to change, obviously. Like, But they still need another guy. Like Barzal is not a volume shooter. Mm. Uh, he's, he's getting there. Uh, but he's not e- either guy that's going to get into prime scoring opportunities day in, day out. Uh, he's not a shoot-from-everywhere guy with a bullet-type shot. He's got a good shot, but you wouldn't say like his shot is the best part of his game. No. They need someone, like you said, Patrick Laine, uh, to, to get into that spot uh, that, 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 can, that can have that shot. Like We have Ryan Pollock, but you know Pollock doesn't always get into the best positions. He's also a defenseman, so he's usually a little bit further back. Uh, and he's not very accurate most of the time. Yeah, that, that's that's true. Uh, to me, Pulak is better utilized on the five on three. I, I don't think he's as good on the power play at, at five on four, which maybe, who knows, if you have an additional piece, like, I mean, just we're using line A as the example, but like a, a player like that who is a legitimate finisher, a Mike Hoffman, maybe like someone like that, who knows? Maybe that expands other people's game because that's just another thing that defensive teams are going to have to worry about or penalty-killing teams are going to have to worry about. Yeah, so they definitely need someone to help them on the power play because it's very clearly, again, they changed the special teams coach, specifically the power play, right? Like, I, I'm pretty sure Scott Gomez was not in charge of the penalty kill when he was there. I, I think that was, um, um, oh, what's the other... Oh, why can't I think of his name? The the the, the main oh god. Yeah. Um, he, oh my god. Right. I just I just had it. I was about to say it, and then I lost. Lane Lambert. There yes, it is. Yes. 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 I could see his face. I could see I know. his name. I know that was bad. Uh, <laughs> anyways, I'm pretty sure he was in charge of the penalty kill when right. Gomez was there. Uh, so they specifically got another guy to run that, and it didn't change much. It, it went up, right? Like from 15 point five to 17.3 but like it didn't go up much so they need to it's not necessarily a coaching issue it's a uh it's a personnel issue and they need to bring someone in to help out with that now by bring in we can get into that here if whether by trade free agency or or within the system is, is up for debate really yeah that that's that's the thing which is what we could transition to now and looking towards next year uh, you mentioned, or you made mention of the three RFAs. So Ryan Pulak, Matt Barzal, and Devontae's are all RFAs now. They need new deals. And you'd have to imagine, at minimum, probably between the three, if you're signing all three, that's $18 million against the cap, right? Yeah, yeah, something. Well, so wait, how are we doing the math here? Like nine, Barzal, five, Pulak, and like three? I was going eight, six, four. Okay, I think it's going to be less for Taze. Okay. I, I also I, I blame Ryan for this. Uh, my, my my friend Ryan, um, you know him. He's a patron, um, and he, we we converse constantly. Um, yes, he's really getting. He he's planted the seed uh, of Tay's not being here next year, traded out, and well, that makes sense to me. It, it it's definitely a possibility, uh, which I mean we can get into now. We're looking towards the towards the future. If you're looking to acquire a score you are more likely going to have to do it via trade than in free agency because i i don't see how you're going to sign i mean let's see teams bidding on mike hoffman what do you think that number goes up to seven million dollars plus a year probably what is he making now right like he's he's gonna look for an upgrade even in a flat cap era so let me bring that up i thought it was like six wasn't it i think it's five seven five but don't quote me on that i'm gonna hold you to it as i look it up here Come on, um, brain. Mike Hoffman was, of course, everything changes. Five one eight seven five. Okay, I was a little high, but you're a little yeah. high. Yeah, I was it, way higher. No, but like you're, you expect that number to go up at least above six, then maybe pushing seven. Probably if, if he's the main guy available on the market, right? Like I don't think he's the main guy, but he's going to be one of the top names in the free agent market. So yeah. And let's just say, like, let's get back to your original point of keeping Tays. Like, let's say we're adding $18 million to the cap hit, right? Yeah. We have $8.9 million. 
Yeah, so you got to free up $10 million somehow. Now you could add Andrew Ladd to LTIR. You can bury Andrew Ladd and save a little bit. Same thing with uh, Thomas Hickey's contract. You can bury that and save a little bit. But you're still. You're saving a million on each of those. Right. Uh, Exactly. A little bit. So you are going to have to to trade players who are making a, a chunk of change. And unfortunately, it might be guys like. Johnny Boychuk getting him to waive his uh, no trade clause or it might be moving on from Nick Letty if you want to move on from someone on the left side who has a 5.5 million dollar cap hit those two guys seem like the most likely ones to get moved in order to clear space I don't know if the Islanders are looking to clear forwards out who make a significant chunk like obviously ridding themselves of Andrew Ladd would be dream scenario but who the hell is taking on that contract yeah, I don't see anyone taking on the Andrew Ladd contract. Um, there's all, all, a bunch of avenues to go in terms of if you want to get into the cap debate, but I think our, our, the, what we're trying to discuss here is like, where do they find, or do they need to find someone, right? They need to find, uh, like, if I'm looking at the five takeaways, the five takeaways for, and the one we're looking at now is they're a piece away. They get that goal score, that changes a lot for them. Of course. And, and that's what we're trying to figure out. How do you do that? You have to ship out. You have to. And that's where we get into the debate of like, well, instead of shipping out already existing contracts, can you ship out a guy like Devin Tays where you don't have to add anything, right? Like that then brings our RFA bill down by, if, if we're going to what you said, like two million or $4 million, right? Right. That, that brings it down significantly uh, to bring in a guy that you know you can then make room for, but like if you're the trade off is takes for four million and you're bringing in line A at six seven five, I believe. Yep. Uh, now you're adding only adding two point seven five. Like that's a lot more manageable. And, and yes, you moved out Taze, but like your 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 pairings can now look something of like Pelic, Pulak, um, Letty, Mayfield, Green, Dobson. Right, and you bring back Andy Green on a just pick a. Pick a Dennis Seidenberg contract out of the hat, <laughs> the 1.25, 1.6, and uh, there you go. Just you white out Seidenberg's name on that one. Yeah. Have him sign that. Exactly, except make sure it's not the PTO one because he's going to have to play a significant chunk of games probably. Yeah. Uh, so so that's that's an avenue to look at, but we're, we're clearly we're looking to add a goal scorer. We don't need to add anything else. We've got a brand new goalie coming in. Dobson's going to take some some uh, some minutes off of someone, uh, but then it's adding someone. Now, we mentioned the three avenues, right? Like, there's trade. So, Patrick Laine comes top to mind. Uh, big kid, right? Like, he's, what, 6'4", 6'5", 210? Yeah, he's a, big, he's a big guy. He's a big guy that can shoot real hard. So, perfect, perfect. Puts in buckets. Third highest goal scorer on power play since he started in the league. Only Ovechkin and Pasternak have more power play goals. Uh, Mitch, tell me if I'm wrong. I've been wrong sometimes. Um, okay. Barry Trotz has experience working with a a right-handed shooter who isn't good in his defensive zone, correct? I believe so. Who are you referring to? Um, I don't know if you've heard of him. Uh, his name is Alex Ovechkin. Is he a Belarusian? I think so. He's, a, he's, he's Russian of some kind. I don't know if it's the oh. Bella kind or the regular kind. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you're right. Right. Like he, he's dealt with who, and specifically guys who are, oh, well, they're not really the best defensive players either. Right. Like that's the one stigma with Patrick Liney. What the hell was the stigma with, with Alex Ovechkin when Barry Trotz came in? He was in negative negative 40, something like that. I think the year before Barry came in and then he was a plus 20 the year after. I have my numbers off, but it was something like that. Yeah, it was a dramatic change. It was definitely a, a big-time swing. And, like, yes, you could argue that's a flaw to Patrick Laine's game, but then I would agree with that and flip it right back in your face and say, well, the Islanders have a million guys who are okay in the defensive end and give you nothing offensively. See Leo Komarov, Michael Dalcol, and they desperately, desperately, desperately need offensive help that I am willing to sacrifice a little bit of play in the defensive zone if it's going to net me 40 goals? Like, in a, he could probably score 40 in his sleep. He could probably hit 50 easily. He right? might be able to, right? If you put him with Barzal, maybe he hits 50 goals. Like that, yeah. And that's not a stretch. That's not crazy. Yeah. So the number we had for Ovi was minus 35 in 13-14 and then plus 10 in 14-15. So a 45-point a swing on the plus-minus for all those plus-minus fans. Like... Um, so we talked about the trades. Like, we can get into all the different trade targets. Obviously, anyone who shoots, like, above... Uh, or scores 25 goals a year is going to be a target for the Islanders. 
Uh, I see Kyle Palmieri being one. Like, I'm not really that interested. Yeah. yeah. And it looks like he might re-sign with, with the Devils, which, again, makes sense. Um, but but then we have the free agent, right, where we went with Mike Hoffman as the main target, which makes a lot of sense, too. Like, the guy scores a ton on the power play, uh, scores pretty well on 5-on-5, five five, uh, although he's, he's not great 5-on-5. Five five, but, again, Barry could do something, I'm sure. Right. Like, it, it would probably be... My my only issue is that with that is you're gonna have to get into a bidding war with other teams and you might end up overpaying for them. Yeah, so like the the cost is going to be high. Although then again, the cost in terms of trade for Patrick Line is also going to be high. So do you want to pay out cap or do you want to pay out assets? I would rather pay out assets. Uh, also because like Patrick Line is what twenty four years old. Twenty two. Is he only twenty two years old? Yep. Holy, I don't care. Just, yeah, yeah, wow. I thought he was older than that. It feels like he's mm-hmm. been around forever. He's 22 years old. 6'5", mm-hmm. 206. Uh, <laughs> what's I, not to like about him? Why would you even want to trade him? No, I know. I, I know. And it seems like his name comes up every single year in trade rumors. And who knows if he gets moved. But in Winnipeg, they have a bunch of guys where they, they can't keep that forward core around forever. And if they want to improve their roster, I would imagine one of them has to go, whether it's him or Kyle Connors or Shifley. Like, I, I don't know. Someone's going to get moved out. Ehlers. Ehlers, yeah. He's another one. Yeah. Um, but we, we so we talked about trade. We talked about free agent. Like, we don't have to look at the entire free agent mm-hmm. class, but, like, the name that really comes up is Mike Hoffman, that there's no one really else there as far as I could tell. Uh, I'm just going to go look at the free agents now uh, just to kind of get a sense uh, of what we're looking at, see if we're, we're missing anyone who's really obvious, and I'm going to rank it by points per game. Uh, obviously, like Taylor Hall would really be the only other one, right? Yeah, which is, um, he's intriguing. Again, it kind of depends on what his market is looking like. I don't know if I want to give him, like, do you want to give him $10 million a year? Absolutely not. No way. No, th- nope. If it gets to that, like, peace out via Cundios. That's what I mean. buddy, but, like, no thanks. But, like, you never know with the... I know it's a flat cap and stuff like that, but free agency gets nuts in these bidding wars, and, and people get overpaid every time. I mean, we saw it with Andrew Ladd. That's true. $5.5 million for Ladd. Um, and I'm just... After Hall, right? Like, the top four guys uh, in any position in terms of, like, points per game outside of, like, Cameron Gounts, who has four points in three games. You have Hoffman, Krug, Hall, Pietrangelo in order, right, in terms of points per game. And then you get into, like, the Evgeny Dadunov, Tyler Toffoli, Ilya Kovalchuk territory, right, like at 0.5 points per game. And yeah. that's not what we're really looking for. We're not looking for middle six. We're looking for top end. And so the free agent market is very thin outside of Mike Hoffman and Tyler Hall. Taylor Hall, sorry. Yeah, it's... I don't know. It's not going to be easy. It's not so much like, oh, you have room, go out and, and you know, and and throw ridiculous money at one of these guys. You, you don't have that luxury. So Lou is going to have to get really creative. There's going to be guys who have been here for a while who are going to get moved out. It's probably like if you want to create the room in order to add, it's probably not one deal. It's probably multiple that you're going to have to do. Probably. Which then gets us into the, so we talked about trades, we talked about free agency. Then you got to look at internal. Do we have internal options that we can stick there? And there's no definitive answer. There are, there are questionable answers, but like mm-hmm. the two guys we're thinking of is Bellows and Wallstrom. Can they do that? I have a little bit more faith in Oliver Wallstrom being a guy who could be good, really good on the power play. I just don't know if he's going to be given that opportunity based on what we've seen over the last two years from Lou Lamarillo and Barry Trotz. I myself am not saying that he's not deserving of the opportunity, but if I were to bet on him getting like a realistic chance to play top six minutes next year, I'm going to say probably pretty slim. Yeah, I would say the same thing. Like it depends on how he does in Sweden, right? Like he's out in uh, the Olive Scan, Olive Scan. I forget how to pronounce it, but the Swedish second division essentially playing for AIK. Um, and we've already seen the one highlight goal. I haven't seen anything else since. Uh, and I'm trying to pay attention, but like their website isn't really the most uh, user friendly. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe it's just me not being able to navigate it very well, but I- I'm not able to find kind of game reports. Uh, it's different in Finland. I know I'm, I'm following uh, Russell Nishkakov in uh, with TPS, who is, is now a favorite. I-, I follow TPS now just because of their colors. They have the black and white colors. Go. Love, Love it. Love it. 
Uh, anyways, it's, it's easier to follow there. If he does really well in Sweden, maybe they give him the chance. I, I'm just not sure if 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 the yeah, if the Islanders are going to give him that chance, or if I think he could even be that guy. Like he, he's got the potential. I don't think that um, Bellows can, um, but. Wallstrom might be able to. I'm just not sure if the Isles are ready to go like, you're not going to play at all this year to let's go top six forward. That's the thing. That's the, uh, it's a very dramatic swing and it wouldn't, it would be very off brand for what we've seen, like we said, over the last two years. So you could have all the faith in either, you know, pick one of them, Bellos or Wallstrom. To me, Eileen Wallstrom, but I think Bellos could be fine. I just don't think they're going to get that chance. They seem to, they would rather give it to a veteran. And like, God help us! But if they decide to bring back Derek Brassard again on a, on a, another cheap deal, like that, what are we doing? We're just spinning our tires. Yeah. I, the thing is with with them in terms of waiting for prospects is like Lou has this thing where it's like it's never it's never too late to bring a guy up, but it is too early, right? He said those words, maybe not yeah. in that in exact order, but something along those lines. Right. Uh, so like, he's not going to bring in a guy. Un- unless he ha- un- not- yeah, unless he has to, right? And like, there's no reason to bring in Walsham. Like, he's not doing anything right now. We were like, we have to get this guy here. Oh my god, he's gonna wait till till training camp, right, to see, which is gonna be the same thing for all of us. I assume he gets a shot. Uh, but but if he can add someone like Patrick Liney before that, he's going he's going to do it, right? He's going to add some Liney. Yeah, it, it all depends on what you know these guys want to get moved for, but. Uh... I would I would say that he is definitely more likely looking to add someone who's proven it in the NHL versus someone who has yet to prove it in the NHL. Yeah, and then he doesn't have to do the whole like confidence thing that Barry Trotz was talking about with Noah Dobson, right? Like I don't have to throw him to the wolves. I don't have to say like Oliver Wallstrom, you're coming in and you're being our top line right wing. Guess what? Have fun. Right? Like don't fail. Don't fail. We're setting the bar real high though. So like no, they don't want to do that. If they can bring in a line and have him play like sheltered third line or second line minutes, they will do that gladly. No, absolutely. So, uh, you know, we'll we'll see uh, we'll see on that front. But I, I would bet that they are unlikely to use one of the internal options currently in the system. Yeah, of all the options, I think that's the well. I think it's the second unlikeliest because I, I don't think they dip into free agency to fill that void. Agree. I think it's I think it goes trade internal free agency in that yeah, order exactly perfect so do you want to get into the window debate i know you're this is a very strong take for you yeah um yeah absolutely do you want to tee it up so i can knock it out or do you want me to just go for it uh yeah i'll, I'll tee it up we're, we're gonna okay. do a little volleyball thing where i'll like i'll i'll be the setter so i'll set it up to you and you can spike it down so um there there's there's a lot of this this take or this conversation on the internet about the Islanders and their window of opportunity. Some believe that the Islanders are very much in a win-now mode. If they don't win in the next year or two, they're going to have to rebuild. It's going to be really ugly. There's going to be you know bad contracts having to be moved around real ugly. Others don't necessarily think so. They think it's not, it's not. That's not the case. They do have time. Mitch had a very interesting question last week on the Patreon about the Islanders window and I would I would like I would like him to retell that on this on this podcast Mitch. So, so like you said everyone's saying like well the window's closing pretty quick for the Islanders and essentially my, my reaction because this was a mailbag question right it wasn't something mm-hmm. that we had pondered beforehand it was right. asked upon us and we we're kind of like reacting to it right away and I went well wait when did the window open I'm pointing to my window behind me as if it's letting in a breeze here but when did the window actually open to, for the Islanders? Weren't we just talking about, like, last year going, like, they're not making the playoffs? What? The Islanders? The playoffs? <laughs> like, that was the talk of, for everyone, including ourselves, right? Like, there was no way they were making the playoffs. And now we're like, oh, that window, it is closing quick. And you're saying, wait, when did it open? It, they opened it this year. They, they went like, hey, guys, see that window? We're taking a step out. That's what they were doing this year, if anything. Yeah, I think last year, so this is how I see it anyway. Last year was gravy. Like, that was not expected, like, overachieved. This year, to me, was first year of, like, the window's now open. Like, you're, get, you're like, getting your toe in there, and you're seeing that. Like, this upcoming year, I think you're, like, trying to climb in that window and get in there. But I agree. Like, I don't think it's coming down. I think it's opening up. 
So, like, the, the argument then from a lot of people is they look at the ages and they look at the contract sign and say, like, Lee, Fair. Nelson, Eberle, Bailey. Uh, am I missing someone? I don't I don't think so. Eberle, uh, did you say? Yeah, either way. Let, let's just leave yeah, it at yeah. that. I, I'm sure I'm missing some people. Let's say, like, Letty and, and whatnot. They're old-ish. Like, they're old for the NHL, right? They're they're hitting their 30s or late late 20s. Um, they're they're only going to get get worse, right? As the the, the age uh, curve goes, and the return on investment is going to decrease on all of those. So, like that's what they're looking at to establish their window. Whereas I look at it going like, well, the window is only based off winning. Like you can have those contracts and not win, and the window isn't open, right? Like the window doesn't close because the contracts are are, are coming to an end. The window right. closed because you're not winning anymore, and you have no no new blood, and you're coming to the end of that 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 cycle. Uh, if they can keep bringing in talent, then the, the cycle never ends, right? Like you're continuously winning. Look at the Pittsburgh Penguins, right? Like they're they're constantly in it because they're bringing guys in like Tristan Yari, Matt Murray, uh, uh, Gensel. I don't know why I could yep. bl- I blanked on his name, but like that that's an ex- ever extending window. Whereas the Islanders are just like you said, saying like, hey, hey, last year we realized that we we could see the window. This year was like. We're looking at the window and ready to open it. This year is we're stepping in and we're making our way to the end of the line. And eventually, yes, the window will close. But I, I think it's just finally opening. It is not closing. Yeah, 100%. And I, I understand the the concern with some of the guys who are either 30 years old or approaching 30. But I think you can, like you said, supplement that and move pieces around. Pittsburgh's a perfect example. Now, they get the benefit of the doubt because they've been doing this for 15, 20, almost 20 years at this point. But um, when, when you look at that team, like you said, they have the main two. Obviously, Crosby and Malkin as the guys who are always there, always in it. But, you know, pieces come and go. Like Nick Benino came and went. Phil Kessel came and went. Uh, there's been other times where they've, you know, they've traded it for, for short-term pieces and, and rentals. Like Broussard was there for a short time. Uh, that, that stuff happens. And I think that with this core, they are good enough for a, maybe like a four year window. And then from there you you cycle some of the old pieces out, you get new ones in here. Like, I don't think it has to be defined like, oh my God, if they don't win this thing in the next two years, like it's going to be ugly quick. I don't buy that. I really don't. I I don't buy that either. Like I'm, I'm just looking at the Pittsburgh Penguins history here. In terms of like first round picks, and as of let's say 2012, they've made one, two, three first round picks from 2019 to 2012. All of those in the later round, right? Like 19 was 21st overall. Uh, they they have not made a top 10 pick since 2012 when they drafted Derek Pouliot. Right. Like they're just constantly going for it, and and that happens, right? Like you you have to bring in talent, you have to supplement that, and if the Islanders can do that, you're good. Uh, obviously, they're not there yet because they just started shipping that talent away. But you're bringing in guys like Jean Gabriel Pajot, and when I say talent, I really mean first round picks. Like you sent it away, and you got the best third line center in the league, without question. Uh, and he's locked in at a higher rate, but like it's not an unfeasible amount. Like it's it's a decent rate considering what he's bringing. So like, yeah, we're we're moving pieces and we're we're, we're taking those steps. Now it's we just have to add those top tier pieces. We got to hope for Walsh to pan out. Uh, we got to hope for Holmstrom to pan out as well. Uh, so like, th- and now we got to move or move some of those guys like Bellows to bring in guys like Line ish. Yeah, or someone like someone like that. Like you said, it's it's gonna take it's gonna take some filtering. You're gonna have to move pieces around. It's not, it's not an easy thing. It, it's not, but there are ways to do it. And I, it goes back to the trust factor. I trust who's in charge. So I am. While I can't sit here and say that you know some guys are gonna be on the roster or not in the next three four years, well, I, I trust the guys who are making that decision. So I don't know if that's a cop out answer, but that's kind of my take on that. No, that's a perfect answer. You trust the guys who are making the decision. But you, you, maybe you're just sipping too much Kool-Aid, Matt. Get off the Kool-Aid, bud. I guess, maybe. <laughs> yeah, so. No, the, the things, I think the window is opening, for sure. And they are starting to take their, their steps within that window and establish the fact that it is not closing. We are keeping this very much open. Absolutely. I'm there with you. Anything else on uh, windows, or you want to move along to the quiz? We're going to do some window shopping soon. Is that what you want to get into? 
No, is that what <laughs> adulthood is really like? I don't want to. I don't want to get into window. Oh, shopping. It's, it's a lot of exciting things. I, I bought my first pair of boots for the last like three years. So like, hey, <laughs> killing the game, brother! Absolutely killing it. <laughs> now let's let's move get on. into the quiz. Yes. So as you know, or may not know, every week we do a quiz where I try to get Matt to guess a player who has played for the New York Islanders. And the, the theme here is the number of games played is the number of podcasts we have. This is the 162nd episode of the Eyes on Isles podcast. Uh, so I'm taking a player who has played 62 regular season games for the New York Islanders over their career. Matt, are you ready? Let's do it. All right. You got five guesses. They go from hard to easy. Clue number okay. one. I was born in Winchester, Massachusetts in 1974. Next. Okay, fair enough. If you ever get it on that alone, I will, I'll will i just stop the game forever. Okay. And we'll, we'll do something else. Uh, two, I was drafted 32nd overall in 1993 with 38 points in 37 games while playing for Boston University. 1993. It was the New Jersey Devils who drafted him, if that helps at all. I know there are some people I, who already uh, have it. I already know that. Next. I, I wouldn't have it. I've, God, you're, you're going to get me to go to five on this one, probably. Okay. Um, three. I put up 226 points in 899 NHL games and was a Selkie finalist in 0607. Oh, um... Oh my god. If you get it now, wow, kudos. Oh my god, I'm picture I'm picturing him, but I what the what is his name? Oh my god. I think I, I let's hear the next one. Okay. I made the Isles after a training camp tryout and put up three points that year. <sighs> it's the guy with the red hair and like the soul patch? I don't think so. Who am I thinking of? I don't know who you're thinking of, but I, I don't know. I don't think I don't think this person has had that. Maybe, maybe I'm mistaken. I, I don't know. I should look at their the color of their hair. No, they're very much <laughs> very much brown hair. Okay, sorry, I have no idea then. All right. Okay, five. I was one of Nino's line mates in his one year with the Isles. Oh, Jay Pandolfo. Correct. Okay. That's not too there bad, though, right? No, yeah, I was not thinking Jay Pandolfo. I was thinking, um. Who were you thinking? Not it, not, uh, not Marty Reasoner, obviously. No, 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 no. Oh my God, he was like a he was a Bridgeport guy. Not this is killing Eric Bolton, who was who I was. Thinking oh, of. okay. No, no. Good guess though. Good guess. But yeah, no. Yeah. Jay Pondolfo. Uh, gross. Absolutely <laughs> disgusting. Oh my God. Eight hundred ninety nine games, man. No, that's impressive. I'll, I'll give him that. Not much of an eye on their career though. No. Oh. Tampa Bay is killing it 5-1. Knew it. There you go. Love that. Uh, okay. Let's get into the social segment, Mitch. What, what do we got going around on Isles Twitter? Oh, yeah. I got three things here. Uh, what's this first one? I just I, I say them, and I usually forget them. Oh, yes. I just retweeted this from my account and from the Eyes on Isles one. I also put it on the Facebook. I'm not sure if you had time to see it. Uh, big tattoo fan. I have a ton of them. There's this one here from uh, Shawnee Faz at 428Fazzy saying, I finally did it, hashtag Isles. And it's a tattoo of Jean-Gabriel Peugeot's face with the bandana and the mustache from the ping pong tournament and two ping pong paddles below it. The art on this tattoo is incredible. Usually mm. portraits are black and white. This is in color. At Bullman <sighs> Tattoos, oh my God. Or tattoons, I should say. Wow. Wow. This is incredible. Yeah, no, I, I just I'm looking at the picture right now. Uh that's that's impressive stuff. I uh I love I love to see that. That's I, I wish I had the guts to get that tattooed on me because that's it's a cool look. I like it. I would never get that done and like I have a ton of tattoos. Um I, I I have some pretty dumb ones. Uh well I mean not some pretty dumb ones. I have one pretty dumb tattoo. Um this one is not. This would not qualify as a dumb tattoo. Although my no. wife would absolutely qualify that as a dumb tattoo. Yeah, but it's it has different kind of sentimental values to Islanders fans. It, yeah. It's a little bit, it's a little different. It's not like some idiot would put not a nautical star with good time banner on it. Like that would be a really dumb tattoo to get. If anyone had that, they'd be really dumb. 
I don't I don't personally know anyone with that, but if I did, I would hate their guts. <laughs> what do you have? Uh, so first one from me is uh, from Isles blog. They ripped this uh, after game six. It's Anders Lee talking to the media and hearing like Anders Lee teary eyed and obviously upset. Like I stopped it. I stopped it. I couldn't listen to it. Yeah, that it definitely got me choked up listening to it. And like I, I know. I know it's very he's very different than our last captain and a lot of people like to to bash on the last captain which I get believe me but I'm kind of going to do it now but th- this is this is a captain Anders Lee is a leader I am very 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 happy he is going to be here for the foreseeable future and I I can't say enough good things about this guy both on and off the ice he's a perfect representation of the Islanders it was very not a bleep blah blue vanilla answer like oh well you know we didn't we didn't win so it's all on me like it it hit struck him to his core uh and and it's because it struck us to our core uh so this this is not great to see because i I don't want to have to see anyone teary eyed and i don't want to have to see anyone in a losing situation but like you saw that this meant something to them uh this wasn't just like well we tried to we tried whatever we'll do it again next year like no it, it meant something, so that that was huge. Even though I didn't watch it all, because I I can't like I remember being at my buddy's wedding, uh, and just standing up front. I was one of the one of the the groomsmen, and I was going like, yeah, weddings aren't that bad. I'm not tearing up. And then I immediately locked eyes with his dad, who's crying. Boom! The waterworks came out. I could I couldn't hold it back. Yep, yep. That'll that'll do it every time. Absolutely. Uh, my next one here is from Odinson. So Odinson eight nine nine. He says I have a st- I have oh god jeez computer the window kept popping up in terms and right in front of the tweet i couldn't read it <laughs> couldn't do my ron burgundy uh, i got a strange feeling that lou is about to do some groundbreaking bleep over the next couple of months i hope everyone is ready because this is going to be a wild ride this offseason yep uh i definitely i think it is i definitely think it's going to be um he's been very methodic with what he's done so far it's been I mean, he made two moves during the season in J.G. Pacho and uh, Andy Green, but I, I think we're going to see that ramp up even more this offseason in, in moving pieces around, which, uh, like we said earlier, it's going to be some guys that, you know, have been here for a while and that we've gotten used to, so it's going to be weird. Yeah, I, I would say, like, some of the guys that we, we see on a regular basis or have seen for a regular basis for years are not going to be here anymore, or, or even some guys that we haven't seen in, at all are not going to be here or will not never play for us. There's going to be a lot of movement that that is going to happen. Or he brings in just a bunch of dead money, right? Like Brandon Dubinsky, get over here. Mm. Um, Who else? Henrik Zetterberg, let's go, right? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. So Roby.Island, all of them. Absolutely. Uh, My last one here is from Mike Camito. I'm sure everyone knows who Mike is. Uh, But he tweeted on the, uh, just today, on this day in 1991, Mike Bossy, Danny Potve, Bob Pulford, Clint Smith, and Scotty Bowman, imagine Scotty Bowman being the and in that sentence, were inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Wow. What a list. <laughs> what a list, right? Incredible. Even Bob Pulford and Clint Smith, great, great, yeah. worthy additions for the Hockey Hall of Fame. And then you have Danny Potve, Mike Bossy, and Scotty Bowman. And yeah, yeah, he's got like what, eleven cups or something to his name, Scotty Bowman. It's something crazy. It really is wild. So like, what a class. Um, my my last one's more of a story, Mitch. Oh, uh, so I, I think you're gonna know where I'm going with this. But some people, well, a lot of people were following along, and it has to do with this podcast. So um, yes, um. So after the Islanders lost game six, a former NHL player might have heard of him by the name of Sean Avery sent out a video on his Instagram. And in that video, he was saying F Islanders fans, Long Island's greasy and going in on Long Island. So obviously, naturally, when you post something like that, that's going to elicit a reaction like that. Anyone with half a brain realizes that that's going to elicit a reaction. Now, Islanders fans, myself included. Did not take too kindly to that. So I, from my personal account at Matt O'Leary NY, popped off a Twitter joke, which, again, normal rational person realizes that's a daily occurrence. You make a chirp, someone chirps back. So I said that uh, Mr. Avery did not seem to mind Long Island when he was throwing rocks at cars in the Hamptons, (laughs) alluding to a 2015 incident that got him arrested in the Hamptons. 
Sean Avery did not take too kind to that, Mitch. He did no. not respond to. Uh, he didn't say do as much as to respond to the tweet, but he slid in the DMs. I got a DM request from Sean Avery, and it said, "Bleep you, Matt. Nobody listens to your podcast. Shut up." <laughs> so we're we're obviously we're talking to nobody right now. Uh, so first of all, just thank you to all the nobodies who uh, listen to this show and. Uh, by the way, top 30 hockey podcast, by the way, like that's pretty dope. So I threw that back in his face. Uh, he did not like that either. He said that uh, the charts are made up. That's not a uh, that's not a real thing. I need real numbers. So uh, over the span of 24 hours, uh, he sent me 15 messages. Wow. Uh, said I wouldn't have the balls to go on his show. I said, tell me when I'm more than happy to do it. This was on Saturday now at this point because I, I sent him my thing on Friday. Uh, he says, uh, come on, come on today at five 30, which was like 40 minute notice. I said, okay. I think he was expecting me to say, I can't do it. And then going to say, oh, you're this or that chicken. Yeah. So then he goes, oh, I didn't mean today. I meant tomorrow at five 30. I said, <laughs> you said also today, fine. Right? <laughs> yeah. I said, also, I said, okay, fine. I'm ready. Next day calls me first question. What town do you live in? I was like, oh my god, this guy's a psychopath, dude. He's just driving this... around Long Island. Yeah. Like, Where is yeah. he? Where is he? Yeah. So it was like a, a 20 minute 20 minute conversation. Um about it was not a good interview. I'll be straight up honest. Like it was not a good interview. More than half of it was him asking how many listeners this show has. And I wouldn't tell him because I I don't think it's relevant information. And him getting more and more mad that I wouldn't tell him was humorous to me. Uh, so we kept that going for a while, and then um, I said, well, is there anything else you want to talk about? And he said no, so I told him that, you know, I hope he gets the help that he needs because uh, doing this, you know, is is not normal. He also didn't like that, and uh, we hung up, and today, Wednesday, is the day that his podcast drops and a new episode came out, and when you know that uh, my interview is not included. So I'm just curious to see... Why I'm the one who does not have the balls after just making a joke on about a video that was posted on the internet, which again seems like a pretty normal, regular thing that happens. Uh, I obliged. I went on his show. I answered his stupid questions, and uh, it was not posted. So I don't know if he's ever going to post it. I know some people were following along with that storyline on, on Twitter. Uh, that was very bizarre. I just never in a million years. Like yes, I, me and Mitch, we both have taken a little bit of odd career paths, but you could have given me a million guesses. I would never have guessed that Sean Avery would slide into my DMs to curse me out to then have him on his podcast to then never post it. Like, that's just, how do you come up with that? That is a wild series of events. What what really gets me is the questions and, and the comeback. The, the first one, like, no one listens to your show. Oof, owie. Sorry, my four-year-old just came up with a better burn than that, right? Like, who does that? And then to be like, how many, how many, how many listens? Hmm? How, why, why, why do you need to justify this based on that? If you want to come at me, I would expect Sean Avery to have better, uh, better trash talk than that. I'm really, I'm, that's what disappoints me the worst is his trash talk game seems awful. Be better, Sean. You're, you're better than this. What happened? I thought you were like the last of the enforcers. I, well, I guess maybe he can't like just dive and try to get you a penalty for that, I suppose. Or he can't wave your st- his stick in front of yeah, your face. Yeah, that, that's... Or that's call you thing. fat or something. Like, the guy yeah. played in the NHL, and he was a pretty good NHL when he wasn't doing dumb stuff. So, like, it, it really... It does disappoint me. Like, this is the guy who's supposed to be the big, like... Uh, just, like, the... the the ratty type of player, right? Like, the, the biggest rat of them all. And then this is his comeback? Come on, man. That's oh, sad. He, he very much thought he got me. He was like, oh, I made you look like a, a, a D-bag in that. I'm like, okay, sure. I just went along with the whole thing. I, I'm, I'm clearly biased because it's myself, but I think I won this. Yeah, I, l- I'm, I'm fully... let's let it out and see. let's let the public decide. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird to be in a feud with Sean Avery, who I did not know how to podcast. Is it just him? Yeah, I, I scan. I've never listened to it. I, I skimmed through it today. He was talking about he lives in the same building as the caller daddy girl, and they had beef. So that was like because he has beef with freaking everybody. That's all he does is pick fights with people. Common denominator um, so, here. Yeah, so he he talked about that, and I don't know had somebody else on, but it, 
don't so know, what, what, is, the what is the show about? Just like his daily musings? Now I'm, I'm going to have to oh, go listen yeah. to it. I'm going to go so, listen to it. This was great. This, uh, this might have been my favorite line that, uh, that I said in, in, the, in the interview. I said, he, was, he called me a troll, which I don't think what I did was a troll move. I, again, I just think I was reacting. So I, I said, do you normally have trolls on your podcast? Is like that your gimmick? Like, I don't understand the content. And that, that, like blew, that blew his brain. He was like, he didn't know like what, what oh, I meant no. by that. So uh, I, I think I really think the podcast is just him talking about the weekly arguments slash fights that he's gotten in that week. Well, good. I, I, yeah, I hope I hope everything works out for him, Sean. Like, he, I hope I hope everything turns out. Yeah. So that was just I. That's, that's too good a of a story. Wild not to share. story, man. That's a good weekend right there. Yeah. So that was that was my weekend. But before we go, we got to get a couple of plugs in here, Mitch. So wherever you are listening to this show. Please make sure to give a subscribe, a rating, and a review so we could pass that uh, pesky Sean Avery in, uh, in, in listeners. That'd be awesome. Uh, we really appreciate all the support, though. In, in all seriousness, we love you guys. Um, so if you could, if you could give a, a rating and a review, that helps us a lot. You can follow along with us on social media at Eyes on Isles FS on Twitter. My Twitter is Matt O'Leary NY. Mitch's is over at TLO Mitch. You can like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash eyes on aisles. You can go to the website, eyesonisles.com, or download the app, Eyes on Isles app, available for iPhone and Android. And you can still subscribe to the Patreon, patreon.com slash eyes on aisles. No more post game shows, but instead we are going to be breaking down in depth topics. So we'll be going, you know, really in depth on a topic. And then when games come back, we do uh, post game shows. There's mailbag shows, there's live streams. It, there's a whole lot going on over there. So definitely worthwhile to check out. Nice community of Islanders fans over there. Yeah, it's it's really good. It's there's what 112 B number 113 plus. Absolutely. Thank you so much for tuning in. Once again, I'm Matt O'Leary. He's Mitch Anderson, and we'll talk to you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.